0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information.
1: 2020 is over. 2020 is officially over as far as breaking down the ring is concerned. We took a couple weeks off to celebrate some holidays with our friends, to get things in order, and now we're going to give you our list of what we feel is the top things in professional wrestling in 2020 we're gonna get into three categories this week and we're gonna do that as we
2: I just whipped your ass. You just made the list.
0: This right here.
2: Hey, this is professional wrestler and professional podcaster, Colt Boom Boom Cabana. My name is Killer Cross. This is The Smoke Show, Scarlet Bordeaux. What's up, guys? The After Machine, Brian Cage. This is Ryan from Pro Wrestling Tees. Sadly, you are not listening to The Art of Wrestling, but you made a decent choice because you're listening. You are now listening to... And you're listening... And you're listening to... you listen to Breaking Down the Ring. Breaking Down the Ring.
0: Breaking Down the Ring. Breaking Down the Ring. Breaking Down the Ring. Break it down! Oh, it's true. It's damn true.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening, you are watching, you are paying attention to the most inappropriate pro wrestling show in the motherfucking world. You're listening to Breaking Down the Ring. We are your ring crew. Smitty. Uh, Z. And me, the all Mikey one, Mikey himself. Uh, Look, man, 2020 was a fucking crazy ass year. It was a crazy year in the world. It was a crazy year for wrestling. It was a crazy year just all over. However, that's not to say that good shit did not come out of it. Let me fix this. Look at me. (laughs) So we have a list of things that we're going to talk about in professional wrestling that we feel are the top of those things. Uh, We're going to make this a two-week show, two weeks of show. Uh, So this week we're going to talk about uh, three specific things categories all right uh we're going to talk about what we feel was the best pay-per-view of 2020 top five uh we're going to talk about our favorite top five moments of 2020 and the top five matches in 2020 now again this isn't just specifically wwe this isn't specifically any company at all this is across the entire fucking world of wrestling from january 1st 2020 to December 31st, 2020. Now, the thing is, like we you see a lot of these other lists and people dropping these like in December or something like that, and like or mid-December, not like the actual end of the year, which is crazy to me because it's like how, there's still wrestling happening. You have no fucking clue what's gonna happen in December, and in at least on my list, big shit from December is on there. Uh there's a match on there. You know, there's uh, I, I think a moment might be on there as, as well as a couple other people uh, on here. So basically, we're going to get into all this. Let's talk about making these lists. Uh, Z, how fun was trying to figure out a top five in all of these categories that we're doing?
2: Uh, not fun because I put it off for two weeks and had to figure it out. And I don't know, did it in like an hour last night. I could tell because your list is fucking weird. Um, I I don't have it pulled up next to me right now. I'm gonna have to go look at it but when we do laptop. them. I did, just I haven't set it up yet. You know, just chilling.
1: <laughs> All right. I, okay. I got a
2: I got a laptop for the show, and then we took two weeks off, and I took two weeks off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Smitty, you and your list, uh, how fun was it trying to go over all the categories and even sending things that we're not talking about this week at all? But actually, both of you did that. You both did it. You both just sent everything for the next two weeks. Hold on.
2: Hold on. To be I fair, because there was one thing I didn't. <clears throat> yeah, the tag teams. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, to when I
0: fell.
2: When I asked what, uh, what I needed to send, you said top five each category. Mind you, I didn't read above it where it specified which category. ones you needed. Right. And no, that's I'm kind of...
1: of- What's even crazier is like next week, we're going to be talking about our top 10 overall superstars and our top five tag teams. And the reason it became a top 10 overall is specifically because of you, Z. You were like, are we doing just WWE? Because if we're doing overall, I think it should be a top 10 rather than a top fives. And I was like, yeah we're doing it overall and you're like all right top 10 and then you send top five and i get it you're red that was, was, pre- was just a preview, just oh, a preview. okay now <laughs> we got now we get to see the meld next week which is good because yeah. at least with these yeah. ones you're going to have a week to put it together
2: <laughs> yeah the, the, no,
1: the,
2: I, I was gonna say the easiest part of the list were the the men's the women's the tag because those are you know kind of blatantly obvious when you get into the pay-per-views the moments and the matches you actually got to go back and like okay what happened this year like what pay-per-views were there oh shit that was a good match oh that was and like yeah it 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 got rather intricate Mm -hmm. at the end um in fact i don't even i'm not even entirely sure that these are my exact top five only because I did them so quickly, so it, it's kind of like you know the last band that plays at battles of the band normally wins because it's the freshest in people's minds. Right. So a lot of a lot of mine came from like SummerSlam on.
1: But yeah, that, we'll very, see. Very true. Very true. Uh, Smitty, so doing your list and everything, how fun did you? Oh, no, I you actually I actually
3: spent most of the two weeks working on them. That's why, like, when I wasn't home because my little brother's birthday was a couple of days ago, we did our surprise party from yesterday.
2: The one so time, I he
3: wasn't was the home all day. Yeah. <laughs> and so, pretty much, uh, originally, I thought we were doing the top 10. So, I had like top 10s and I had to break that down. And then, like Z like, for the moments and the matches, I was literally going back and forth looking at
1: that type of stuff. So, wait. I got a question. I got I'll, a question. I, I'll, let, I'll let Z ask it because I have the exact same question.
2: Um, if you did a top 10, what exactly did, did you have to, you know, break down. All you had to do is go from one to five.
3: Well, some things, like, I kind of felt like some of my stuff wouldn't have made sense without some of the people that was in there, but in the end, I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to keep my original fives that I have for each one. The only thing I did not
1: work on yet was the uh, top 15? ten overalls oh. um yeah, So, definitely. wait, let, let me... What wouldn't have made sense? Okay, so, you know what? Let's just start with your list smitty real quick uh and we'll find out what the what wasn't in your mind going to make sense i figure what we'll do is the matches will be last we'll talk about our pay-per-views our moments and then the matches so smitty read off your top five pay-per-views starting with number five uh number five i had wrestlemania 36
3: number four i had impacts hard to kill number three i had Takeover thirty one. Number two, I had AEW Revolution. Number one, I had uh, Impact Slammiversary 2020. Okay, well, uh, obviously 2020.
2: This is the list of
1: 2020. Uh, And Z, give me your five, starting with number five. Uh,
2: Number five was also Mania. Uh, Number four was Takeover In Your House. Number three was SummerSlam. Uh two takeover war games and one takeover thirty. Yes, mine had a theme.
1: Obviously. Um Walt, his number five was TakeOver In Your House, then number four at TakeOver 31. WWE's Payback was his number three. WWE Survivor Series was his number two. And he had the Royal Rumble at number one. Nick had WWE's Class of Champions at number five. AEW's Revolution at number four. Mania at number three. The Royal Rumble at number two. And NXT TakeOver Portland at number one. I have Impact Slammiversary at number five. The Royal Rumble at number four. Clash of champions from WWE at number three, new Japan's wrestle kingdom 14 at number two and number one is NXT Takeover Portland. So Smitty, your uh you have two of the impact pay-per-views on there. Are those the ones that you're saying you don't think would have sounded right uh, without other people involved in it? Well, I originally, that's what my thought, but
3: then I thought about the whole like top 10 overall and I'm going to make a lot more sense after we actually get that one out the way. Okay. So. I feel like in the short run, the, let me rephrase it. So in the short run, I felt like some of it wouldn't make sense without my top 10 overall being involved. Okay.
1: Um So, you know what? Let's shoot the shit. Give me six through 10 on your list. So, that's the one I. <laughs> okay. You see all this here? <laughs> no, because you have a background and it blends in. <laughs> I'm trying to show something. <laughs> I have so I have about four pages of like everything I've jotted down
3: over the last two weeks, and like me, what I sent yesterday was just the stuff that I pretty much broke down from all those lists into a oh, file. Wow,
2: mm-hmm. I did mine in an hour, and Smitty made a study guide, pretty man. much.
3: I I told you I've been watching so much just to try to get like I've been watching so much and looking into so much for this list?
1: Like, I I guess like, look, man, I kind of did too. Like I've very much talked about how little wrestling I've watched this year because a lot of the stuff from uh, the speaking out movement just deterred me uh, from wrestling, but there was still stuff that I watched. So in going back, my thing that I did was I looked up like five or six different sites of um, what they thought were like their top 10, right? And I watched uh, these pay-per, pay-per-views, and man, I have watched so much wrestling in the last two and a half weeks, it's ridiculous. Um, but ultimately came to things that I had already kind of thought or, originally. You know, uh, Smitty, you have, you and I are the only one with any impact uh, pay-per-views on here. You have Slammiversary at number one. I have Slam Anniversary at number five. Oh, I-
2: I was going to say, now, just, sorry to interrupt you, no, but no. the only reason I don't have impact on mine is I just recently started watching Right. That. So I, I don't have, it. you know, like, I don't have... I can't say it was a good pay-per-view if I never fucking watched no,
1: it. Agreed. Completely agree with you. Um, I will say I was surprised you didn't throw a fucking talking shop, talk shop-a-mania on there because you absolutely love those. And granted... Well, I
2: do, but I love the fact that they're a parody of... An actual pay-per-view like they're a shitty pay-per-view like if you pull in the casual fans and say, hey watch this they'll be like what the fuck is this but if you bring in a mark like ourselves right and they watch it and they get the back the background references and shit like that it's funny but it's not it's not pay-per-view quality it's like the snl of pay-per-views does that make nope. sense kind of
1: all right i understand that i get it yeah all right so smitty slammiversary you have at number one uh Ex- explain why you thought Impact Slam was the best pay per view of 2020, and why did it beat anything else on your list? It beat everything on my list
3: because it was one one of the uh, maybe three pay per views throughout the whole year that I can I actually sat down and watched and was entertained from the top of the card to the bottom of the card. Okay, just everything on there just ticked off. It just it just made me. It, 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 I was entertained from top to bottom. Okay. It is probably the most memorable of pay per views throughout the pandemic
1: for me. Okay. And just because you were entertained, that's it. That's like there was nothing specific. Isn't is that, is, is that, is that what we're supposed to want out of these? No, I mean, yeah, but like usually there's a, that's really vague, right? Like, okay, exactly. Okay. So, okay,
3: exactly, okay, so like, because I didn't want to go into one of my moments. Okay. So, okay I just did to go under my, one of my moments. So, like, um, the Fatal Five Way. Well, five 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 six what did they did the elimination for the world for the vacant world title um that was really good I really enjoyed watch like the north and this Shamrock Callahan I believe was on that one I got the card right here You know uh, so uh the Deanna parazo and um Jordan Grace match just pretty much everything on that match uh you had like a lot of returns and you had some uh debuts you had um, just like uh, they had the uh, women's gauntlet for the number one contender. I, I really enjoyed that. You uh, know, really, I did enjoy it because of who won? In a way, cause, and I also like the oh, Well, that's more that of a moment matches.
2: than a, a full pay per view.
3: Was it? That was part of the pay per view. I really enjoyed Willie Mac versus Chris Bay for the X Division title. Um. I, I kind of like everything that Tommy Dreamer is doing over there at Impact right now. I, I find like some a lot of stuff he's doing is entertaining, and also he's doing what a lot of veterans, I feel like a lot of veterans should do and when they have a position like that where he's actually trying to get some of these newer guys and younger guys over by getting in the ring with them or having backstage promos with them or stuff like that. Because he did it with Myers, who was kind of not technically a younger guy, but he's kind of one of those guys that's – not really known unless you know him as the jobber from WWE. He's worked with uh Brian Myers, uh, like he's he was probably the beginning of what we see with Moose right now. What is
1: okay, but what does this have to do with Slammiversary being your number one pay per view? Okay, like
3: I said, I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed the first match, I enjoyed all the returns and debuts, I enjoyed most of the, I enjoyed the results. It was one of the and one of my favorite matches from the year on that. Is in this uh my number two match from all from this whole entire year was in and was on this pay per view as well. All
1: right, Z. Obviously, like you said, you have a nice little theme uh, going with yours. You know, your NXT Takeover Thirty is your number one. Uh, Takeover War Games number two. SummerSlam number three. Uh, Takeover in your house number four. And WrestleMania Thirty Six. Now, I will say you have one that is. Uh, there are two pay per views that three of us chose as one of the top five pay-per-views WrestleMania 36 is one of them. It's not for me. Uh, it is Smitty's number five as well. Why do you think it's one of the top five, uh, pay-per-views uh, of the year?
2: Hmm. Cause it's WrestleMania. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, given the circumstances with the no crowd and the on the fly booking and stuff like that, uh, I still was thoroughly entertained by it. Like, I got to see Drew go over Brock. I, I got to see the, the spectacle that it was. It was the first time it's ever been two nights. Um, obviously, I, there are four pay-per-views that I think were better than Mania, but it's WrestleMania, so it, it gets the, the top five nod.
1: Okay. Now, I will say the reason I didn't put it on my list is, is one. Yes, it is WrestleMania, but there were. I mean, I I was really struggling with the W because WWE's pay per views uh, got better as the year went on, in in my personal opinion, um, to the point where um, I I struggled with the TLC pay per view being a top five pay-per-view because everyone has said it. It's probably one of the most solid top to bottom shows that WWE put out. However, I have Royal Rumble and Clash of Champions up there for the WWE. And I personally think that Royal Rumble in itself um, with one, all of the moments involved with it, sets it up as a pay-per-view that should be, uh, in your upper in, in the upper level. Now, again, that's, that's me personally, because it is a very moment friendly show, but at the same time, I fucking loved that Royal Rumble match. I thought that was one of the best Royal Rumbles we've seen in a very long time. I liked the, uh, the, the only thing that really threw me, uh, of from the Royal rumble was like the beginning build of it. Right. But once it got to it, I was like, Holy shit. This match in itself is again, one of the better uh, Royal rumbles of the fucking of, of all time. And then you get to the, the just the other matches and in, in themselves, you know what I'm saying? there was uh that was when you had Bray Wyatt and uh, the fiend, I mean, the, the fiend and Daniel Bryan uh, going at it. That strap match was fucking nuts. Right. Like, Strap match is a fucking difficult gimmick to pull off, but if you do it right, it's done well. And that was great. Uh, Yeah. The Becky Lynch and Asuka match, uh, you know, Flair, uh, Charlotte Flair won, won the Royal Rumble as well. uh, Getting cementing her legacy even further on. But Z, you were about to say something. Um, Yeah. I was going to say
2: that I struggled with that because WrestleMania is our Royal Rumble. If I made a top 10 list is number six. And I, was like, which, which one gets the nod. And I gave the nod to mania because it's mania like that. That's where, because it's mania, it got the higher spot, but I did have the Royal rumble for the exact reasons that you were talking about right now.
1: Okay. Uh, you have NXT TakeOver 30 as your number one. Uh, obviously I do. And NXT TakeOver WarGames as your number two. So NXT obviously blew your fucking mind this year. Three of your top five spots went to them. Uh, why did you think 30 was the better of all of their pay-per-views? All
2: right. So I would have went with WarGames. Obviously, they're one and two because uh, I think WarGames was wonderful. But in 30, you got to see... Finn Balor versus Timothy Thatcher, which I think was a very good match. You got to see Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee, which blew everybody's fucking mind because it you you didn't know what to expect, and it met and exceeded expectations. You got to see Karrion Cross beat Keith Lee for the NXT Championship in a in a you know, a solid match, probably the last really good match that Keith Lee had because they have him trying a different style on the main roster. Mm-hmm. Um, Brizango wins the tag champions in the beginning of the match. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of theirs. So that, that I mean, that helped sway my decision, but war games is the second time you get to see Matt Pat McAfee in the ring after 30, so if you don't have 30 you don't have war games so 30 gets the nod um okay. i mean I, I, the the show from top to bottom nxt almost every show is really really good i think there was one show this year that we were like eh, it was good it wasn't bad but it wasn't as good as every other you know show right so I mean, that, that's kind of where I'm at with and it, why NXT makes so many spots on my top five list. It's what I'm most invested in. It's my favorite product of wrestling that's out right now. And it's the one I primarily watch over everything else. So, obviously, it's going to have higher spots on my list than, say, somebody else's.
1: Right. Uh, Smitty, your NXT uh pay-per-view that you put in your top five is 31 31 is also on uh walt's top five uh z the outside of in your house your other two nxt that take take over 30 and war games are on no one else's list that's 100 specifically you smitty you at 31 uh as number three for you and i like said walt has it at number four why was that the nxt show for you that was the better of the nxts uh,
3: some of the, the talent and the match quality for me, uh, from top to bottom in that car
1: in general. Whoa! whoa sorry, like, sorry, 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 sorry. Z just went portrait, folks. Is land, Z, to, Z was Z when I started? I started. I started the show on portrait. <laughs> <laughs> fucking nuts! Sorry for interrupting. Go ahead, Smitty. But yeah, the, uh,
3: the talent from top to bottom and the way the way this car was executed from the uh, beginning of the, and the uh, pacing of the card was perfect for me for us. Uh, and, and like I said, um, we all said that NXT has probably is probably the best product under the WWE banner right now. And like probably. for me, for sure it is. It's, it's, so for me, like going through NXT takeovers, I just had to go with a personal favorite. Okay. And, like it from top to bottom that's on that card. That's what call. I did
1: too. Well, I mean,
3: that's what it should be. It's because so like, I could I could have literally picked that out of my hat, I'm like, oh well, damn, that was a good NXT. Uh, Just put every NXT takeover from 2020 inside of a hat and pull one and put it on this list. And it still would have made sense. Yeah, for for the most part, I I agree with you. Um I went but Portland. But also oh, well, I was the main event from 31 was also like watching Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor kill themselves in 31, just kind of was kind of that little chick that put me over for 31.
1: I understand. And uh, like I said, man, uh, the reason I went 31 is just, it was one of those pay per view One, I think, I think I could be wrong. It may have been the last pay-per-view with a live crowd uh, of the top companies. Right? Um, Because NXT Portland. No, uh, Portland. No, Portland. Yeah, 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 Portland. Uh, Because NXT Portland was February 16th, 2020. Yeah, it it was. Because March is when they stopped doing live crowds. Yeah, and the live crowd.
2: It was was what? Portland, 30, 31, in your house, War Games? No, Portland,
1: then in your house.
2: Well, right, but those were the five for the year. There was only five,
1: right? Yeah. Okay. Four or five. I, I'm talking about overall in wrestling. I don't think there I, was. No, any, I, oh, okay. Sorry. I don't think there was another pay-per-view that had live crowds. Cause I don't remember another one before the middle of March. And I know um, the middle of March is when everything was fucking didn't, shut down.
2: Didn't like towards the end of the year, didn't AEWs have, I mean, only a hundred people or a okay, thousand people oh, well, yeah, view with
1: a full crowd. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, so you have this pay-per-view, and it's topped off with Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa just going the fuck at it, right? I understand that Cole, uh, that uh, Balor and O'Reilly is probably one of the best NXT matches. It was um, better. <laughs> I understand that it's probably one of the best NXT pay-per-view matches of the year, but Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa just went at it for 30 minutes. And it was a great topper to another one, uh, to a pay-per-view that had Balor and Gargano on it, which was spectacular to watch. Uh, the Rhea Ripley-Bianca Belair match uh, was wonderful. And I believe this is already getting into the WrestleMania stuff. Like, this is right after she cha- Rhea challenged Charlotte for, uh, for that title at WrestleMania. Uh, Dakota Guy versus Tegan Knox. Those girls were going at it with another rivalry that has, had been st- uh, going on for quite a while. You know, Keith Lee, uh, NXT North American champion, after it beating Diamond and Djokovic. Again, two friends going at it in a great match to kick off a of pay per view. It just blew my mind how good 31 was overall. I, I don't think there was a slow 30- spot in Portland. I, mean, I mean, Portland. Portland. Sorry, NXT, Portland. Um, uh, I, I don't think there was a slow spot in the entire thing, you know, and as much as I fucking can't stand Matt Riddle right now, uh, this was obviously before that let's not pretend like him and Pete Dunn didn't go like the NXT tank tag team championship match him and the broserweights versus the undisputed era Bobby fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Just seriously, it's just stacked Right. And I, I couldn't be more happy with the way that pay per view pulled off. Now, I will say, excuse me, um, I am the only one with uh, inter- an international pay per view. I put the rest, uh, New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom, their biggest show. Uh, the 14 was obviously the 2021. 20 and I put that up there because that was two nights. Of just fucking wonderful wrestling to watch. Now, granted, Z, like you had said earlier, if you don't watch it, you don't know, right? If right. you haven't seen it, you can't, you can't put it up there. And it's just, I don't know, man. I, I, f- I feel like Wrestle Kingdom is a pay-per-view that everyone should watch. Every year, like, it's their big one. Like, I feel like everyone should be watching WrestleMania no matter what. I think WrestleMania I, is the Super Bowl of pay-per-views uh, for the States. And anybody who is anybody in wrestling needs to be watching WrestleMania. But I also feel that exact same way about New Japan's uh, Wrestle Kingdom. What are you about to say, Z?
2: While I agree with you, uh, I'm not, you know, watching from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. And then after the fact, I already know the results. So to go back and watch it, it's kind of ruined after you know, like who wins and what happens. I mean, not to say I don't know what happens at Wrestle Kingdom. I just don't watch it live. I hear about it. I watch little highlights of it, but I never, I've never gotten the full effect of the show. Partly because when I'm waking up for work in the morning, the main event's going on for the next hour. Right. So, so it it's just one of those. I mean, that's the international difference. Is If you want to watch it live in the States, you have to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning. And what, you and Daniel were still watching it at 8 a.m. the other night?
1: Yeah, this one went to 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, Wrestle Kingdom 15th. But again, I didn't yeah. watch 14 live. <clears throat> I watched 14, like, I want to say a couple weeks after it happened. Yes, I've okay. had it again, but even knowing the results, I also know how well the stars of new Japan work in the ring. And so it, it is just some of the most beautiful wrestling that I, that I I watch. So when I, so me watching it later, no matter what the results are, I like to see how well the matches were pulled off because I think that's same as art. Like I've watched the boneyard match from WrestleMania like five or six times because I love that cinema, the the cinematic match. I think that is, it's spectacular to watch it's undertaker it's aj styles and they're having fun going at it real things happen causing things to stop and be edited but it didn't change how well that match flowed because it's a cinematic match of course it's being edited but you can and go, that's
2: your staple for every other cinematic match at that point
1: for for wwe yes i agree yeah. um because it's and it's just wonderful to watch and and again it's the same thing with the uh firefly funhouse match i i if I go back and watch anything from WrestleMania 36, it is those matches, you know, those it's those two. Yes. Drew beat Brock. Right. But the Firefly Funhouse was fun. The Boneyard match was fucking Taker looking great again. And at this time with AJ Styles, you know, and it's, that's like a lot of people say sting and undertaker. And it's like, yeah, we want that. But, we did 20 years know, too late. <laughs> but but we didn't know we wanted AJ Styles versus The Undertaker until we got it, right? It, it, the build was crazy, but when we, what we finally got, we were we were appreciative of. Uh Z, you're the only one that put SummerSlam on here though. Uh, explain why you thought SummerSlam was a top 5 uh pay-per-view.
2: Uh, <clears throat> because it's I mean, basically because of Roman's return. Okay. At that point, um, it the re- okay. So the reason SummerSlam's on there is because of a moment, which would be Roman's return, which I think is number two of my moments. Not to get into that list yet, hmm. but um, SummerSlam is what kind of like I was tuning out towards SummerSlam. SummerSlam happens. Drew turns. Randy's being the best Randy Orton of all Randy Orton's and I, it, it intrigued me to start watching wrestling again. Not that I ever really quit, but it, 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 drew me back in to where, okay, I'm no longer watching it and it feels like a chore. Like I want to tune in. I want to see what happens. So that's why summer, SummerSlam slam gets the nod at number three.
1: Okay. Uh, Smitty, your, Pay per view that is not on anyone else's list is Impact's Hard to Kill. Why do you have that at number four above all other pay per views in the uh, spectrum, including which I was really surprised New Japan didn't touch yours, your top five. See,
3: my reason New Japan didn't touch mine because uh, this is kind of the same reason. I was, like Z, like uh, like I really feel like um, because if I got to watch it when it was live, I would have a way better. Uh, it would be way, it would probably, it probably would have beat 36, to be honest. And like, um, only thing I can really remember from Wrestle Kingdom 14, is the fact that Tetsuya Naito became the, duo, the dual champion in night two. He won the, Tetsuya uh, wins the IC title in night one, becomes dual champion in night two. Um, That was the only moment I could like really <laughs> pop to my mind when I think Wrestle Kingdom 14. Even though yes, you're right, there's always great matches during Wrestle Kingdom. And I think that was the issue. Like all the great matches, there was really no great memories for me at Wrestle Kingdom 14.
1: Okay, so why is hard to kill your number four? Like you
3: had uh once again, two of my best two of my favorite match one of my favorite matches from the years on there, which um, one of the competitors, which Mike Elgin got caught with the whole speaking out movement. And um like, listen, I enjoyed watching the North, and they had a great match. It, um, and also, just one of my moments also, my favorite moments for the year came from that, and I think it was something that was kind of historic for the world of professional wrestling.
1: Okay. So let's get into our moments. Did I say moments were last or first or second? I don't remember. Yeah, I – I don't That's the only thing Screen, know.
2: Screenshot sent it to me. Let me know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going with the way I have it listed on here. So moments. Um, we've all talked about how wrestling is, uh, you know, people talk about WrestleMania. People talk about things that they do in their career. They, it's always about a moment because a moment lives forever. You know, we, you know, these pay-per-views we talk about, Top to bottom are really good, but the minute we get into the moments are the things that truly connect uh, the wrestling universe with the fans. It, it, it's it's something that sticks with us. So we'll start with Z. Z, give me your top five wrestling moments, starting from number five. Uh,
2: uh, my top five was uh, Kenny goes to Impact after that's number the one. Title. Oh, sorry, starting yeah. with number five. Yeah, um, hold please. <laughs> Uh, number five was The Fiend getting lit on fire. Um, am, am I going up ascendingly, or am I just talking about my number five right now?
1: No, five, four, three, two,
2: one. Okay. So then four is Drew beating Brock. Three is Drew eliminating Brock. Two is Roman's return slash heel turn. And one is Kenny hijacks uh, impact, basically. All mm-hmm. right. Smitty. Uh, number five was uh,
3: Tessa Blanchard winning the world title at Hard to Kill. Number four was Return to Debuts at Slammiversary. Number three was Hashtag Speaking Out. Number two is Black Wednesday. Number one is Kenny Omega wins the AEW title and begins the Impact crossover.
1: All right. Uh, Walt has Orton sets the Fiend on fire for his number five. New Day breaking up for his number four. Keith Lee's winning the double championship, the NXT championship and North American championship uh, at number three edge returning at the Royal rumble is number two and WrestleMania weekend. Overall is his number one. Uh, Knicks number five are the first pandemic shows. Number four is Roman's heel turn Uh, drew eliminating Brock at the Royal rumble is his number three. Becky announcing her pregnancy is his number two and edge returning at the Royal rumble is his number one. Myself, Number five is WWE's Black Wednesday. Uh, Number four is the Men's Royal Rumble match. Again, all of the moments that were involved in that. Uh, Number three is the Brody Lee tribute show uh, from AEW. Number two, Impact AEW's crossover, uh, which basically what you guys were saying when Omega won the title in AEW. And my number one is live wrestling, no crowds. So Z, we'll we'll start uh, with you. All three of us have this Impact AEW crossover right now. Uh, You and Smitty each have it at number one. I have it at number two. Z, why do you feel like that is the number one moment of 2020?
2: Because it's the first time that everybody in professional wrestling was like, what the fuck is going on? It's my number one because it made me turn turn on impact live that following Tuesday to see what the fuck was up. Like that way it's, it was one of those things in wrestling that it left you hanging. It, it, you know, the the soap opera esque. like, oh, I got to see what happens no matter what every, like I, I don't remember how much of a bump in rating that impact had that following week, but I know it was significant because everyone wanted to know what the hell was going on. Maybe everybody except for Walt, but everybody nonetheless. Um, it, 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 to me, it of everything that's happened in wrestling, it's the one thing that had the whole wrestling community talking like, no matter what, like, it didn't matter if you didn't watch WWE or didn't watch AEW or Impact or whatever, you heard about it. So, for me, it, it's automatically number one. Uh, Smitty,
1: your reason on why it's number one. Okay,
2: so
3: one of the things that, like, Omega went in the title and and Don Callis announced he's going to Impact with it. It kind of solidified Omega as a top, like, right then and there, kind of solidified Omega as a top guy in the industry at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, oh, you know, I'm Impact Mark. So him going over to Impact, I was already excited about him announcing him going to Impact. And everything that everything that's led afterwards now, especially if you saw uh, AEW this week and everything he's done, everything that he's done with Anderson and Gallows, and I'm not trying to give no spoilers about what else happened on Tuesday unless if you ain't watched it by now, fuck you. But uh, it's just everything that's already leading up to at this moment. Uh, the, the main event for uh, Impact's first pay per view of, of the year, which is next week, Hard to Kill, is already a crossover match. You have the AEW World Champion teaming with Gallows and Anderson versus uh, Rich Swan and the Motor City Machine Guns. This is something that, t- like, you probably think you would never see in professional wrestling, at, but it's happening right now. This Why is a you possibility. You never
1: see it? Why do you think you would never see it? Because me, when it, when it all started, right when AEW was first introduced and everything, like. A lot of people were like, oh, man, the crossovers that could happen because these guys have worked crossover stuff with New Japan and Ring of Honor. I don't see why they wouldn't, other than the fact that people were really pissed off. Then it came out that New Japan wanted to work with them, but their commitments to the Ring of Honor uh, contract that they had signed would mean that they wouldn't been able to work with them. So, again, I'm kind of surprised that, it, that you're saying you think you wouldn't see it. When I'm like, man, Impact makes the most sense for them to work with because Impact is the one that would that wasn't completely pissed off. They didn't get they didn't get fucked by uh, AEW starting. New Japan did, Ring of Honor did, a lot of independents did, you know. But Impact is the one that was like, okay, go ahead, do what you got to do, man. You know. Um, I personally have it at my number two just for that simple fact as well. Um, the minute that he won that thing, I was like, okay, cool. You know, Don Callis helped him weird. But then the announcement afterwards uh, was, he was like, you'll find out ne- you know, on Tuesday. Tuesday. And they were like, he's like, AW, Dynamite airs on Wednesday. And he was like, yeah, we're going to impact bitch or whatever <laughs> he said. But it was just like, whoa, what? <laughs> like right fucking then. The value. That you're just like, oh my God the AEW world champion is going on to another show. Things that haven't happened uh, to this state in a very long time, right? Now it seems like Omega <clears throat> is is going to be like the new Ric Flair, right? when I, When I say that, I mean as in him actually going and defending his title – Across different promotions, an actual world champion. Granted, Nick Aldis is kind of doing that with the NWA uh, with the NWA title, just like Ric Flair did. Also, Austin Aries did
3: it back a couple of years back too. <clears throat> you said, he said, "Austin Aries did it when he was world champion a couple of years back as well." Right? And he was on a belt collector. But lady. what
1: I'm, but again, my whole thing is this is on a scale that you haven't seen since Ric Flair. Right? Yeah. True. There was doing it. It was huge. Now that Kenny Omega is doing what Kenny Omega is doing right now, you know, going uh, to Triple A and having that match against Laredo Kid at the end of the year as he was the AEW uh, world champion, being in on impact, very possibly you might see something happening with them in New Japan because Kenny Omega is that guy. You know, it's this is something like I, why it's my number two, but not my number one, is because of the scale that is involved with this. Uh, well, welcome to the show. I wanted to talk to you about your your top five. Uh, we've already mentioned it. Orton being set on fire. I mean, Orton setting the Fiend on fire, number five. New Day breaking up, number four. Keith Lee double champ, number three. Edge returning, number two. But WrestleMania weekend is your number one. And I'm kind of wondering, how, how did you fall? One, I was completely expecting to see Edge returns as your number one. Right? Wrestle- <laughs> yeah. I think most of us were. Yeah. At WrestleMania, actually, I actually a funny week- story about that. WrestleMania week- Sanders
3: is- remembers... Ed's return, because you remember Walt almost sliding out the window. Yeah, he almost off died. that shuffleboard table. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely almost died. Um, WrestleMania weekend, though, is your number one. Just kind of wondering why that falls into your number one spot, even as it, why is it even in your top five? That's it was very surprising when I saw it.
0: Um, it's there because can you guys hear me?
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: okay, all right. So I, I put it number one because it was the first like major wrestling event that we saw. Like I guess not post COVID, but like with, with everything shut down. it was like the okay. first event and and instead of just being one day, they scaled it over you know o- over two days, which had never been which had never been done before, and it was just different. and it was and it was kind of like, well, what's what's gonna happen? How are they gonna pull this off? It, a lot of questions. It was like is, is it gonna be as good without without fans? as it would be with fans are going to have that, that same drama. Is it going to, because wrestling works with fans. I mean, because the fans help build, build those big moments and you weren't going to have that. And, and, and I feel for, for that being really kind of the first real like major show to go on without fans, it, it kind of set, it set in motion, kind of set the bar for every for everyone else. And all the other promotions kind of, Go, going, on and doing things, and and that that's why I had as, as as my number one moment because it was it, it was unique. It was the most unique thing to happen this year in in the industry.
1: Okay, I understand that then a little bit more because that's very similar to why my number one is uh, live wrestling, no crowds. You know, it was the pandemic completely fucking changed how we as fans and how companies were putting out wrestling just like i said just as much as it took on how we were taking it in um the the scale of what has happened you know we heard that uh wwe was talking about hi z he's gotta learn to mute himself <laughs> um we've we've learned that you know wwe was talking about getting rid of the live shows anyway before the pandemic but the pandemic 100 killed them right completely took them directly off of our screens or off, off of our, you know, um, out of our lives period, you know, and then we get to see and watch all of this stuff happening and trying to figure out how we were going to accept it because WrestleMania was weird watching it. There were great times and good moments and everything, but watching some of these things without a crowd, you know, knowing Drew McIntyre, the way his pop was when he, uh, eliminated Brock Lesnar at the Royal rumble. You can have only imagined how big the pop would have been when he won the WWE uh, championship. You know, I, I can't fathom anything me personally, uh, being bigger than what the pandemic had done to the wrestling industry that we love so much. You know, that's why it was my number one moment. Uh, Smitty, you put on for your number five, uh, Tessa Blanchard winning the Impact World Title. That was uh, the main event of Hard to Kill. You said it. Uh, the reason why it was one of your pay per views, top five pay per views, was because of the ending of it. That moment. Um, why do you feel like that was a major moment? And I have a counterpoint because I already know what your answer is going to be. You should unmute yourself if you want to talk to us. <laughs> Yeah, so I got so um Tessa winning the world
3: title at Hard to Kill, like um uh, pre everything that happened, it it was for me, it was a big thing. uh not just for wrestling, but for for women in wrestling and just Sammy putting over Sammy put over Tessa was amazing. Um and like, and like the build for it. It was like just everything surrounding Tessa winning that title. Uh it just it, it it was really good. It made me feel good as a
1: human being. Okay, um, <laughs> yeah. had to check out on at the end. <laughs> you, you definitely, you definitely needed to attack on. All right, so here's here's my problem with this being a moment in wrestling, a top a top five. I agree that it's a moment. It's a history changing moment. It's a moment in history. I, I think the way it happened, uh, one, she was the wrong person to give that belt to right? If you were going to put over any, the, the, the way they got to it is it made way more sense for Jordan Grace to be that type of woman. She looks like she would beat the shit out of every fucking guy on that roster, except for Brian Cage at the time, who Tessa Blanchard still had to somewhat go through. Uh, even though it was a gauntlet match, he came in after her. There's no fucking reason that I feel like Tessa Blanchard should have won him Two, She beat Sammy Callahan for the, uh, belt. I agree. Sammy Callahan's great. But how do you make it look like Tessa Blanchard can win the world title? She beats beats a fucking 5'8 fat guy, right? Who, while as good as he is, you stack her up against anybody else, it's like, mm, no, your suspension of disbelief is gone, right? Um, I I fully agree that there are times a woman should take I feel like Charlotte Flair could go and take the WWE uh, main title. You know, she is that good. She stacks up against the competition. She... Is an athlete like that? Tessa Blanchard. Then after winning it, was a cunt. She was a fucking cunt to that company. The company made, gave her a history making moment, and she was a fucking cunt to it. Just like I feel like Kenny. Before I said post every pre everything that happened. But again, even pre everything was. Heh. The reason Kenny Omega's uh, I, I feel is up there so high, and why I agree that he should be no, he should be in the top. Five of anything is because of the things that happened post that moment. That moment sets up a domino effect of great things that happen. Her winning that belt damn near put that company in shackles because she wouldn't do shit with it. I, I feel like her winning that belt was a bigger fuck up than it was a top five moment of the year because it impacted for a little bit. But
3: also gave us that awesome uh five six five way match for the um title at slammiversary which was really was a really good match which, and the results of that what the guy when Eddie edwards won that one what he did
1: with the title until he lost it was pretty amazing as well again i'm okay with that because that's what impact was doing to fix the problem of tessa blanchard tessa blanchard i i've i hope nobody fucking picks her up the way she acted <laughs> I hope she's. I hope she's off of out of wrestling for a good year, another year. Um, (laughs) She's been out for almost a year. Z and Walt at your number five both have Orton setting the fiend on fire at TLC. Z, I'll start with you um, because I I really fucking know the answer to this uh, for both of you. Um, Why is that a top five moment for you, Z? (laughs) Uh, Because he
2: set a man on fire. May have been a balloon man, but a man nonetheless. Um, I don't, it, it, It's one of those moments. Like, when was the last time you've seen anybody set on fire in the WWE? Uh, Kane. Exactly. Like well, <laughs> MVP no, set on fire. when, when was the last time you've For seen an time. inferno match? Like right. you, you, you knew the end of the match was like somebody was going to get set on fire. We all assumed that it was going to be orton because he came out long sleeves and you know jeans on so okay you know you figure it's going to be him ends up being the fiend and then he torches like i that has to be a top five moment name something else that that has happened that was that extreme in the world of wrestling in 2020 or even the last decade
1: all right uh well why'd you put in your top five probably muted Pulling a Smitty. Eh? Wasn't talking to you. I said he was pulling a you. Hashtag smittied. Oh, what well, was, what was, was getting his coffee drinks? <laughs> Walter. Well, Walt, you got to unmute yourself. So you can tell me why it's your top five. <laughs> why? Well, what's my top five? Why Orton setting the fiend on fire is a top five moment for you.
0: Um, because he set a guy on fire like these. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, that's it. That's it. That's just the moment <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like I mean I mean set him on fire. Like it, it, we don't see that anymore.
1: <laughs> it's amazing that I was completely wrong uh,
0: on fire. Wrong. I mean yeah. Sure. Well, I was
1: right. <laughs> like the simplicity of setting a man on fire so it wasn't because yeah. these fucking cavemen. Changed, it, <laughs> it kind of changed wd's direction to show they're going to be a little bit more attitude era ish with stuff because the ratings are so fucking bad that the fucking network was like yo fix your shit over dumping you because let's be honest uh NXT and AEW pull in more weekly ratings than Raw has quite a few times this year. Uh, if you and I'm talking collectively, I don't, I don't mean like each one. Like AW beat Raw. No, AW and E collectively drew more wrestling fans than the WWE Raw product uh, because we, as we all have said, Raw fucking blows has blown for a while. Three
0: hours. <laughs>
1: But like it's but it's, all, its not three hours of good either. It's—it's—it's it's, it's not even like it's about an hour of good. SmackDown is two hours of good. You know what I'm saying? Like Raw is just like, here we go. Hopefully this sticks. You know, yeah. throw shit out of wall. wall. What what they need, need to do
2: is put two o five live for the first hour and just have Raw off the last two hours, and it would probably be a much better show, and you'd be more. An app to follow from start to finish. But starting at eight o'clock and following all the way till 11, it gets kind of rough.
1: Well, I will say that I disagree with you wholeheartedly on 205 being in the first hour. Here's why. Literally, Don't watch 205. That's it. I, it doesn't have to be 205
2: live, right, it could be something else. Think about
1: this SmackDown's biggest rating, since its debut was after the Friday night NFL games. Right. You, when you get a show for anything, you want to have a good lead in a good lead in is what starts people getting into the show. 205 live will never be a good lead in for anything. Right. Um, well, well, I agree that yeah. it should be mixed in more, you know, like maybe throw a half hour of the, the, the uh, first hour in there, like it off with that promo that they always start off with and then end with the match. Or start with Raw Talk and just lead into the show. I, again I like it's they need something, right? That this three hours that we're watching right now is is not fun for anything. Oz, uh, Smitty Well let's actually talk- the,
0: I wanna I want I kinda wanna jump that I think Z kinda has is maybe on something. Have Raw Talk before it kinda works as your pre game show mm-hmm. for Raw. And you can, you have that going and That's your pregame show. Do you do rock after as your postgame show kind of kind of thing? And I I think Z may have accidentally stumbled onto something.
3: I don't um, think he's, so.
0: He's smoking a smart weed today.
3: I don't think so at that point because worry,
0: Nobody cares, Smitty.
3: Shut the fuck up, Simp. <laughs> <it's> <laughs> <But>, um, <laughs> like, so we already know, like like also Ross so formulaic. Like, what's the point of having a post show where you're going to open up with a promo anyway?
1: But that's what I'm saying. Like, if you start with Raw Talk, you don't have to open with the fucking promo anymore. The promos are happening on Raw Talk. Then you get what? into the fucking matches. So it, it's not about it. You kind of break the formula by putting Raw Talk at the beginning of it. That, I mean, you could almost do a half an hour
2: before and a half an hour after. You take that hour away and, and two hours in the middle is Raw. And if nobody watches Raw Talk after, you don't care because they watched Raw.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think it would work. I I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, so Smitty, <clears throat> two of uh, wrestling's blemishes, uh, major top five moments for the year: uh, the hashtag speaking out movement and WWE's Black Wednesday. Uh, talk a little bit about those and why you have them at uh, three and two, respectively. Speaking out at three, Black Wednesday at two. Well, because of the impact they had on the industry, no
3: pun intended. Um. You see how some uh, how some companies reacted to when it comes to speaking out. You see how some companies reacted to it. Like Mikey, you said at this point you are not watching WWE because how they have reacted to the speaking out movement. Uh, but also like you say, when you, when you look at companies like WWE, they really have not done too much about it. Uh, AW felt like they, well, Jimmy Havoc did get fired. You said you feel like uh, Sammy Guevara they they should have been 100% more strict with his punishment.
1: No, I no, nope, I don't I don't think I don't think he should have been more strict. I think they should have been more honest about his punishment. That's what pissed me off, is they pretended it was a 30-day fucking uh suspension when he returned on a show they taped 8 days before the 30 days was up. I, I I was p- pissed off at their dishonesty about it. I fully agree that Guevara deserved just about 30 days out. You know what I'm saying? Some sort of suspension, not to be fired. Definitely had to go through the classes, but maybe a little more than 30 days. Even so, if it was only going to be 30, be honest about the 30 and make it an actual 30, not 21 and pretend it was 30 because it's a fucking tape show.
2: Or at least say 30 days of not being on TV. So that way, I mean, it's kind of right.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's honest. So right, many. But then you also
3: see companies like uh Ring of Honor and Impact who've actually taken um, they've actually taken action against people that were uh, brought up in this. Like guys like uh, Dave Christ and uh, Dave Chris, Joey Ryan, Mike Elgin, all of them were pretty much canned from Impact. And and Mike Elgin was part of a major storyline at that point. Um it's an impact. They just released it there last week that they have parted ways with Marty Skrull.
1: A, I mean, a ring of honor. Ring yeah. of honor. Uh, the Marty Skrull one's annoying. I can't be pissed off at it though. But yeah, it's a, you got guys like, like they
3: slap like all the people that WWE can't are people that people really don't know about. Cause sorry, nobody really watches the NXT UK brand. Really? It, it had some steam when it first started and it just fizzled out.
1: Even though. It's crazy because one of the, match, the best matches of the year was on that fucking show this year at the end of it.
3: Yeah, it's, it's one of mine. <laughs> but um, it's. It, um, in Black Wednesday. Um, Black Wednesday is on about number two. Because a lot of the people that are under, they're actually having some better times. Not if they're like, uh let's see. Mike Ben and Maria Canales. They're back in Ring of Honor. Um. Oh, Anderson Allos are an impact of the tag champs Eric Young came in back to impact made an impact no pun intended he's doing having a good run back over there just Brian Meyer just having a decent run and impact as well there's a lot of like Miro even though I feel like he's still trying to find his feet in uh, AEW he seems to be happy in the is you and I, I follow him on Twitch so, so it, uh, uh, like the black the black wednesday stuff was sad but it's I'm just glad to see where how some people land on their feet now
1: but see that's why that's why it's like in my top 5 and number 5 is because while it was sad um it, it was a horrible fucking day that didn't need to happen right it's not a moment in my fucking top 5 because of the greatness of it it's a moment in my top 5 because it's like holy shit it's it's Pure. This is it's profit over people in the WWE, and while that has seemed like that for a very long time, it was the first time that they truly showed that they didn't give a fuck. Right? Um, it. It was. It was. It was a situation where when they got rid of who they got rid of, we were all like, "Okay, that's fucked up," but. Then it came out that it wouldn't have really eaten. Then they, it just showed they had the biggest profits of any quarter right after that. And the only thing it would have eaten was like $200,000 of the profit. So it was like 100%. We just don't give a fuck. Fuck you. You're, you're, you don't matter to us. Uh, we don't put our talent above anything. We put our money above everything. And – that it, 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 it's just a situation where it may the speaking out came out after that, but the speaking out is what put the nail in the coffin for me from WWE. But even then I was like, all right, fuck you guys. You're kind of tuned out. Z you were about to say something.
2: Um, WWE is a publicly traded company. So they are going to, you know, for lack of a better term, cut off the hand to save the body. Um, and they only released that they made record-breaking profits for that quarter after releasing everybody. Yeah, like that—that that helped with the profit margin. Um, now, if WWE was a mom and pop shop or a privately owned <clears throat> company, then they could. Then they would. I, I would like to hope that they would then put people over money. But being publicly traded, their hands are almost tied. While Vince does hold seventy percent of the vote on stuff like that, he also has to worry about sponsors, network execs. Like he, he has to keep everybody happy. It's not like it's not just his decision. Um, so I kind of understand. And plus, it gave a lot of guys the freedom to go do other things that they weren't able to do in WWE. So I really don't think it was all, all you know, like if you do, if you're thinking of like Stephanie and Triple H and Vince and, you know, stuff like that, like it wasn't necessarily them putting money over people. They have a bigger picture to look and say, A.W. A.W. is owned by one person. So that one person can dictate everything.
1: Now I understand that, but when you make the analogy of cutting off the hand to save the body, the problem is nothing was wrong with the hand. It was kind of cold, right? That that's and that's. It's not like there was hypothermia set in and then it would be an inner to where the rest of the body could be fucked if I keep this hand on. It was hey, my hand's kind of cold. Uh, I'm gonna cut it off now. What? No, you could have done so much different, many different things, including put a fucking glove on, right? It, it, nothing could have would have happened. You didn't need to cut off the hand, and that was my point is it was an unnecessary step that was completely heartless with it. Especially in the town. And I understand, right, that it is a company, it is publicly traded, and it is it is about money. But that wasn't affecting that. Like, you know what I'm saying? That was, it, Again, the analogy, there was no hypothermia. It wasn't going to kill the body. You could have, you know, put a glove on because it was just a cold hand, right? They basically went in and said, fuck you. We're getting rid of you. You're gone for no reason. There was no reason for it. They were still having, they were still going to have record uh, breaking numbers for that quarter. It's not like keeping those people on diminished it to be okay. Now it's not a record fucking profit. Nope. Still going to be a record profit. They literally did it just to do it because they were like, well, I want to, we want to cut some fucking shit. So we're going to cut these people. And, like you said, a lot of people did have things. Both of you, uh, they did have great things happen afterwards. You know, the Good Brothers are now part of this big crossover. Miro is looking good in uh, AEW. You know, he find his feet, Myers, He's just not finding this, his feet. Yeah, it's it's good for these people that they finally are getting put in places that they should have been. But WWE fucked up too. Because one of, we put it out, you know, it's one of our top moments. One of our top moments would not be happening if Gallows and Anderson were still in WWE. 100%. So, so it might like be bo- WWE's Black Wednesday, fuck yeah. them. But, 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 time out, but
2: time out, Paul Heyman's the one that got them fired.
1: Right. It,
2: wasn't, it wasn't a budget cut for them. It was, oh, Paul Heyman said, oh, these guys aren't worth the money you're paying. I'm getting rid yeah. of them. Yeah. So, I mean, and then they listened to really. Well, okay, but I mean, that's still, it's directed by somebody. It wasn't kind of like, fuck you. It was like, ah, fuck you, because he says, fuck you.
1: No, I, I agree. It didn't need to happen, and because they did it, and they listened, they may have fucked themselves as a company a little bit further down the line.
2: Yeah, or, uh, I would really like to see NXT with the working relationship, and then we can see the real reunion of the Bullet Club, and that would be kind of cool.
3: <laughs> I say and the only, say, and I say the only reason that like there's only two what, two people left from the well, one is the original leader, who's the current NXT champion, and then one of your highest stars on your main roster, which your first two pretty much considered leaders of the Bullet Club. Adam Cole still there too. Yeah, Adam, Adam Cole kind of wasn't. He wasn't really consider, considered a leader at that point. That's what kind of came
1: He was never a leader. That's it. Okay, so you got, you got three guys, two of them were leaders. There's only been like four leaders of the Bullet Club.
3: One's and everyone, the forget,
2: and
1: everyone a forgets WWE. that Bad
2: Luck Fowl was like a founder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bad Luck yeah. Fall is the only original member of the Bullet Club that's still in the Club. Right. Well, what, okay. what about the Tongans? You can't have the they, bullet club without the tongue game. They came later.
1: They came.
2: I know. The I, box. I, I know. I'm. I'm going off the Twitter quotes. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Z, you have this. Nick also had it. Roman's heel turn. A top five moment. Why for you? Uh because once again, it was one of those
2: things. I mean, first of all. I've always like Roman, you know, heel or face. Whether, I mean, I, I do believe he was, you know, shoved down our throats and pushed, and not necessarily pushed the wrong way, but given the wrong creative, and he, he got kind of boring. But with the heel turn, I mean, like, it, it actually makes – it's worth watching. I will admit right now with the whole head of the table, it is getting slightly boring. Like, it is definitely – they need to – definitely spice things up again but when he first came back he did you know he instantly takes the title becomes a heel becomes a heyman guy make yeah i mean i, I think he's part of the reason people turn in tune into smackdown and smackdown actually pulling decent numbers because ever since roman came back the numbers have been higher i mean and i've been following close with the storyline like i really like what they're doing and it was a good moment and and anything that draws eyes to a product is a good moment. So that's why Roman's heel turn is up
1: there. I agree. I, I, I think it was spectacular. And I also agree that it does seem to be getting kind of stale, but I have to fully believe that when WWE went down this road and did it with the Usos and everything, they were really thinking it was going to be rock Roman at mania. And now because of the pandemic, they're and them not possibly doing mania at California anymore. You know, they're kind of like, nah, we got to try and drag this out now. So it's kind of a oops, we fucked up, we <laughs> Again. put all of our eggs in the <laughs> and now we're kind of uh, uh screwed. That's fine bit. though. I mean,
2: <laughs> it just means you got to leave the title on them and extend this gimmick for another year, so you got to do different things with it. But I mean, I, I do like the head of the table talk and how it would lead into a match with The Rock, you just got to find different ways to go about it now. Like, you've already exhausted those options with Uso, so let's see other things. You know, KO.
1: Um, well, you're number two, edge returns. Obviously, we a lot of us expected you to be your number one, um, but it is a huge moment. You're you're an edge mark. So why? I'm an edge head, bro. Get it right, edge head. it's because he almost killed himself right um so explain to me why it's your your number two what what was the besides the the fact that you're such a fucking edgehead why is it why does it deserve to be a a top five moment for
0: you um well because i i think that moment with the exception of of mcintyre eliminating brock that was the loudest pop of the year
1: well, there Sorry. weren't many pops this year. My face kept disappearing in the Taylor Swift sticks.
0: I know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he did it on purpose.
0: <laughs> I really
1: did. No, he's just I was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I completely... So yeah, continue your story.
0: No, but like, but when when his music hit, I mean, the crowd erupted, and that was like, I mean, and even and honestly, I mean, granted, there's. No, no live crowd and live audience for the rest of the year. But I think, hand down, even if you everything still goes the same, that would have been the loudest pop of the year. Edge coming out because it was it was sort of unexpected. You know, no one really knew what was going. And then you know, he came out. It was like, you know, and it was yeah. It's and it set up for a great program with him and that sadly got cut short because Edge got hurt, but. I mean, it, best to say for him to possibly come back maybe this year or next year or something. But, yeah, and, and also I'm an edge head. So, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was awesome.
1: Now, you have Edge returning. Uh, a couple other people have Drew eliminating Brock. I have the entire Men's Royal Rumble match because of those moments. You know, uh, the elimination of Brock Lesnar, the way he sold for Drew McIntyre, Edge coming out, uh, him and Randy working together during the match. Uh, roman knowing roman taking the heat for eliminating edge because everyone the minute edge went out someone was going to get booed roman was the way the guy to do it especially that therefore giving drew the pop at the end of the match for winning the match because he wasn't the person that eliminated the ultimate fan favorite um, the royal rumble match in itself like i said is just it, it is the moment mecca up for me in wrestling for 2020 <clears throat> pies. You know, it is, it is just like you said, the pop of the year, uh, the both pops of the year happened in there, the elimination of Brock Lesnar, the return of edge, you know, cause you, you said it yourself, you didn't think you could get louder than how that crowd reacted to drew Claymore and Brock Lesnar over that top rope. And then boom, edge comes out and that crowd somehow died. <clears throat> somehow didn't die. Sorry. Excuse me. Um, Which leads me into my number three moment. Uh, Speaking of death, um, we lost uh, an an incredible performer from wrestling this year. Uh, A guy who, by all accounts of every story that has come out since, is probably one of the most respected, revered, appreciated uh, people in wrestling, on screen, and behind the scenes. Uh, John Huber, the gentleman who played Luke Harper in WWE and Brody Lee in AEW.
3: Mr. Brody Lee.
1: Okay. Passed away <clears throat> this year uh, from... Lung failure, it, it's, it's what seem passing away in 2020 from lung failure is what it's seeming like uh, to be. Non-COVID related, um, you know, Jim Ross has come out on a podcast that his lungs were so bad that they could not even uh, replace them. It happened shortly after the uh, TNT title match against Cody Rhodes where he dropped the belt back to Cody. Um, and for months he had been in the hospital and nobody knew. Everyone was just expecting him to come back at some point. Nobody knew what was going on. And that was his request. He requested that it stay private and it stayed private within the friends that knew. Uh, Obviously the AEW brass knew, and of course some friends in WWE knew, uh, but everyone kept it quiet uh, per his request. And the stories that have come out since have been amazing. A lot of people, Brian Myers included, gave WWE shit for not doing anything major on Raw. Uh, the Raw was the first show to happen after it was announced that he passed, and WWE came out and said it's, he's not our guy. It's we have to let AW give the tribute, and AW's tribute show was just that—an entire show dedicated to Brody Lee, culminating with his son Brody Junior. Negative one becoming uh, the TNT Forever Champion. That belt retired. Uh, The TNT championship is still going, but it's a brand new looking belt. Uh, So they gave that belt to his son. Um, Everybody had so many nice things to say about this, this gentleman. And then there's the things that he did just to fuck with people. Like the story of the workout book from Dolph Ziggler's brother. You know, he asked uh, Brody John to put a passage in there. And the whole passage was just a rib on fucking Tyler Breeze. Talking about how Tyler Breeze, he's like, you should professional wrestler first. Uh, and he should not have been a personal trainer second until all of a sudden one day, Billy Gunn looked at my arms, my, my traps. He goes, wow, they're looking really defined. And I was like, man, I didn't think the Tyler Breeze method was working. And then I realized it wasn't, I had just been eating better and taking better care of myself. Uh, don't trust Tyler Breeze for shit. Like just an entire book passage of working out as a rib on a dude. <clears throat> he sounds like if you knew him, he would give you the shirt off of his back. Even if he was cold, right. He would take care of anyone. Look out for everyone. Uh, One of the members of FTR. I don't remember which one. I think it was Dax uh, saying that when him and his wife had a miscarriage, you know, nothing but love and support coming from John and Amanda, Amanda, his wife, uh, and just cards and gifts and, you know, understanding how difficult of a time that that was. So the fact that uh, AEW, you know, it's it's Tony Khan knew that, sure, the tribute show was not going to be a ratings boost. Hell, they were supposed to have Kenny O'Magris's Ray uh, Phoenix Jr. that show. And they put that off a week because they did the entire show for Brody Lee. They knew that ratings would take a hit because that match was probably was going to be huge. It was. Yeah. (laughs) They put it off a week to literally show uh, the love that the entire wrestling community had the tribute video that they had at the end of it had a lot of WWE guys. Like you could tell they did. It wasn't about, you know, Tony Khan even went and bought the rights to that song so they can keep showing it. You know, it was not about um, wrestling promotions, you know, it truly showed that wrestling, you know, Walt's even made posts on our things like, just because you like AEW doesn't mean you got to shit on WWE. Just because you like WWE doesn't mean you got to shit on AEW. Even his wife since has come out and stated, look, I'm not going to say WWE sucked. You're not going to hear me say, say bad shit about WWE. Just because it wasn't meeting the needs that he had wanted at the time doesn't mean the company did sucked. It just means that they weren't a perfect fit anymore. So he had to move on to build his character, but it gave him his life in pro wrestling. It gave him a way to provide for his family. He had a dream of winning a title at WrestleMania. Like so many people think that these companies suck because they're not doing what you want them to fucking do with your favorite wrestler. But it doesn't mean that. It means that these people are still getting a, a chance to put food on their family's table and live out their dreams. So AEW showed that with this tribute show. And to me, that's why it's number three is because it, even though it was so sad that he passed away, his passing has probably done a lot to heal some of the divide that fans are feeling from multiple companies. You know, it's, it's super classy that Tony Khan did an entire show for this man and not just a segment, which is all you see from anyone else you know every i'm not knocking it right it's, it's just how people like you said see, for earlier things wwe is a fucking business they have to answer to sponsors and stuff like that if they did a two-hour tribute show on smackdown or a three-hour tribute show on raw to anyone who has passed away ratings would take a fall and people would be mad tony khan Owns AEW and he and TNT has such a working relationship, to, well, to, well, such a good working relationship that he'd be like, "Hey, this needs to happen." Sorry if you're pissed off about it. Next week we got that main event that's going to blow the fucking uh, roof off, and it happened, you know.
0: Well, they <laughs> did do a, a, a long-term a long wrestler who died.
2: That was full three hours too. Yeah. Just two days. Two days later, they had to come back and erase it all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I, however, <laughs> kind of again, it wasn't the, the the not everything about the AEW tribute show. Every segment was fucking Brody Lee stuff. The Benoit show that you're talking about—that <laughs> no, was every
0: segment. It was
1: all about Benoit. Yeah. They didn't it wrestle was. a single
2: match. It was all. It was all about Benoit.
1: Really? Yeah.
2: Yes. There was a couple I mean, matches in between, but it hard. was. You, didn't,
1: you
0: didn't find it. Because I'm positive it's not on the WWE network.
2: Yep, hundred percent, not there. <laughs> Man, I gotta it look at
1: it. It was up. all about Chris Benoit.
0: In
2: the Eddie yes. Guerrero
3: tribute show, was what well. they had one for him too, when he passed. Yeah, but
2: but when Chris passed, they literally shut down and yeah. just had people talk about yeah. Benoit for you know two and a half three hours. And then, (laughs) and then, and then
1: comes Smackdown.
0: My bad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're going to lay up the Smackdown on this name (laughs) real quick. (laughs)
2: And and you haven't been able to find a Benoit match since. Like those little dots that show up on the network. Normally, when there's a huge gap, that's a Benoit match.
0: (laughs) No, you can watch Benoit matches on the
3: network. Yeah, there's
0: still. The like you watch
3: it, but you just can't search for them or find.
2: Right, him. but I'm saying yeah. like if you if you're watching an old pay per view and it does the little. points 20. Like beginning and the end, you you sure. can always tell when a Ben Benoit match happened because it's an abnormally large gap between said <laughs> The biggest example WrestleMania 20. Well, well yeah, well, and because I know one of them, it's like Chris Jericho
0: defends the title, and that's yes. just it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Look at oh, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, honestly like one guy that like uh, one guy that, that really came out after john huber's pastor was john silver which he came out and told the story about how he bought um how john how you bought a thousand dollars with the ring gear for him and he wore a yes. tribute show
1: yeah he went you know, spent money because he uh john silver was a guy that he wanted to get over like um you know, it came out that when he was went to AEW, what he wanted to do was be a guy that helps put the younger guys over, John Silver being one of them. And that's why, uh, it, sure, obviously, it was, he was at some point probably going to hold that AEW title, right? Um, but he specifically went to AEW to help put people over rather than put himself over, which in turn put himself over, you know? like The Dark Order. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And, you know, even Matt Hardy said there was so much that Huber uh, Huber said to him, just thank you so much for doing all that on social media so that it came when it came out that I was actually the guy. It was a swerve and it was great. All right. Let's move on to our top five matches of two thousand and twenty. Smitty, give me your top five, starting with number five.
3: Uh, I had Mike
1: Elgin versus
3: uh, Eddie Edwards at Hard to Kill at number five.
1: Say Kyle the O'Reilly
3: company, versus, too. Uh, Impact. Mm-hmm. NXT, the number four was NXT. Uh, Kyle Long versus Finn Balor at TakeOver 31. Number number three was Walter versus off NXT UK, on uh, October 29th. Episode
1: 116 for anyone who wants to go to the network.
3: Um. Number two was Deanna Peraza versus Jordan Grace at Slammiversary. And number one was Kenny Omega and Adam Page versus the Young Bucks at Revolution. All
1: right. Uh, Walt, give me your top five matches uh, starting with number five.
0: All right. Uh, we have – I had it and then I went away. All right, my top five matches are uh, number five, Reigns-McIntyre Survivor Series. Uh, number four, New Day Street Profits, also Survivor Series. Number three, AJ Styles, Undertaker, Boneyard match for WrestleMania. Balor and O'Reilly at TakeOver 31. And Keith Lee, Adam Cole, TakeOver uh, in your house.
1: All right. Uh, Z, your top five matches starting at number five.
2: Um, they are uh, number five,
1: Moxie Omega. Number four,
2: the Women's Say what, elimination. Say
1: what company and when.
2: Oh, uh, AEW Dynamite?
1: Winter is coming.
2: coming. (laughs) Yeah, winter is coming, sure. Uh, The Women's Elimination Chamber, obviously Elimination Chamber, WWE. Uh, The Hell in a Cell I Quit Match, Roman and Jey Uso, WWE Hell in a Cell. Um, Survivor Series, Drew versus Roman, WWE. And uh, the NXT War Games men's match.
1: So, Nick has at his number five uh, Sami Zayn, AJ Styles, and Jeff Hardy at WWE Clash of Champions, the latter match. Uh, Reigns and Drew, uh, Drew McIntyre at Survivor Series. Uh, the best friends in Santana and Ortiz on AEW Dynamite episode number 50. Uh, Pocket and Kenny Omega, AEW Dynamite episode 21. And Kyle O'Reilly versus Finn Balor at NXT Takeover 31. Myself at number five, I have uh, Jordan Grace versus Diana Perazzo Impact Slam Anniversary. Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens at WWE TLC. Kenny Omega versus John Moxley at AEW Winner Is Coming. Uh, <clears throat> Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa at NXT Takeover Portland. And number one. Tetsuya Naito versus Kazuchika Okada at New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom night two where Tetsuya Naito became a double champion. Um, All three of you guys have Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly at NXT TakeOver 31 in your top five matches. Uh, Walt, I'll start with you. You actually have it uh, at number two. Uh, why do you have it so high? What stood out in that match to you to where you had it at your number two spot? Um, for for
0: me, that match, I know how good Finn Balor is. I've been a fan of Finn Balor since he first debuted at NXT because that was the first time I, I've heard of him. I never watched him before. Um, and he has impressed me since I, since the first day I personally saw him and I've been a huge fan of his since. So I knew what he could offer. I've only known Kyle O'Reilly as a tag team guy, as kind of like, for lack of a better term, a lackey for the the undisputed era, and I didn't I didn't know if he that he could really be be a standout guy, be a one on one performer. Um, that match showed me that Kyle O'Reilly. Now, Grant, I do like him and and him and Bobby Fish as a tag team. I enjoy the the hell out of their matches. But to see Kyle O'Reilly kind of take, really just take that next step into being a potential main eventer, a guy that can strike out on his own, that was kind of his arrival moment for in, in NXT and for me. And I'm sure for a lot of other fans who aren't, as, who weren't as familiar with uh, O'Reilly outside of NXT as some other people might have been. So it's high on my list just because of that, because I think they did a hell of a job. Putting Kyle O'Reilly over and making him look like a legitimate uh, top guy.
1: All right, uh, Smitty, you have that same match at number four. Uh, similar reasons, uh, the surprise of Kyle O'Reilly. Even though I know you've probably seen him in other promotions as a single star, um, is that why he's uh, so the match is so high for you in uh, NXT, or is it for different reasons? <laughs> Every time. He said every time. Every time. Every time.
2: How long before we tell him?
1: I wasn't going to at all. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking idiot spoiled it. Yeah, that's what you say? Be- like, yes what'd you say
3: it was my number four <coughs> for similar reasons that were just stated uh it, like for, like uh it's just coming out as a single star in nxt like i like i like uh, oh, hold on hold on you just said all this
1: stuff how are you stumbling over it still i'm stumbling over it now because at first i got it out clear <laughs> i don't believe that for a fucking second so yeah this is
3: kyle O'Re- like all said it's kind of kyle O'Reilly's coming out at nxt all the guys in Undisputed Era are phenomenal wrestlers by themselves and they also do great work as tag teams. Um like this is the fan battle like this is the fan battle I remember seeing in New Japan, and I think that was why, one of the reasons I enjoyed it so much. And then what they did on what they did on Wednesday and they tried to kill each other again. Like that's them. this year, it doesn't count. I'm just saying it's still a follow
1: up. Like what they've done since they to follow that up, it's still it, yeah, but, it, but the follow up doesn't matter to why this matches in your top five. I feel
3: like it was set, like it set up, it set up O'Reilly to do bigger things on NXT. Balor is your champion, and this is a different battle than what we got when he was first NXT champion.
1: I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, another one that is across a lot of different people Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns at Survivor Series. Um, Z. Why you have that as your number two match? Why is that the Roman Reigns match of 2020 in your opinion? Because obviously you have two Roman Reigns matches: Roman Reigns and Jay Uso is number three, but Reigns versus McIntyre is number two. Why do you feel that is the Roman Reigns, the definitive Roman Reigns match of 2020?
2: Because that match was an instant classic. That match was slowly built. They beat the ever living shit out of each other and when it came down to it they both looked strong as hell because of the way Drew lost but man i i believe i was on a zoom call with you and daniel mm-hmm. while we were all watching the match and we were all just like wow this match is incredible like and it just kept going and going and going um so i mean i i had a I, I really like Roman and I really like Drew, so I I was, you know, invested regardless. But then they just went on this slow, methodical pace that you were like, all right, this could get boring, and it never did. It just got more and more, the, the excitement just kept growing. Um, And it, it's a nice build, and if they, you know, really needed – you know, a really good match for WrestleMania, you know, in case of emergency break glass, they could go Drew versus Roman and just build off of what they already did. So um, and it was a nice way to showcase Roman as like everyone talks about, like, uh, you know, Roman can't wrestle and this or that. And I've never believed that Roman can. And this slow, methodical Roman Reigns pace. It's great um and it worked very well and i was very invested in that match so you know it's high up on my list
1: i understand that um to me though uh, and this is just as as a counterpoint i agree roman reigns has been the standout surprise of wwe since returning at summerslam Uh, i'm not surprised that smitty hasn't put a single roman reigns match in his top five uh but I am surprised that everyone put the Roman McIntyre match above the Roman Kevin Owens match at TLC, because I feel personally that Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens at TLC is the best match in WWE of 2020. Now, granted, that also plays into the whole, you know, what Z said earlier in the show, usually what, what happens later is what's so fresh in your mind. That's why some those people win Battle of the Bands and everything. And I agree with that. However, we all knew Roman Reigns was 100%, just like any of these other matches. We You knew Roman Reigns was winning, right? But this match, you were like, I don't even know, it, it, we all thought it was going to be this filler fucking match to this Roman Reigns ver- in the uh, echelon of me build- him building up his table. He was like, all right, this is going to be a fun gimmick match to throw him. Kevin Owens was made to look like he was going to take that universal championship. Like, there were times watching that match, you're like, how does he fucking lose this now? Like, you know, like, Roman's on the outside, and then fucking Jey Uso, you know, showing up and stuff. But the match in itself built up and took away every last bit of you sitting there going, Roman's winning this, to literally make you at a couple times go, wow, Roman might lose, Kevin might win. I could oh. not believe that it was built like that, the way that those two people, and again, 100% or a lot of Roman for how he sold for Kevin Owens to make Kevin Owens look like a fucking god against him in a pace that is, like, you, like Z said earlier, is wonderful to watch Roman wrestle at. I love this pace of Roman Reigns. You know, Z, you had a counterpoint? Uh, I was
2: going to say the exact same thing you did, except about the Survivor Series match. As that match went on, I you always kind of knew, you always kind of thought Roman was going to go over or it'd be like a double disqualification or we, we talked about it on the show. Like how are they going to make both of these superstars look strong? Cause they're both champions. So you just assume that Roman was going over cause that's WWE's guy face or heel. Mm-hmm. So as I'm watching the drew match, as it, as it goes on, I'm going, Oh shit. Drew might actually win. like, now, now you throw in Jay Uso, like Jay Uso fucks it up, Drew wins. And then Drew's kicking out of a spear. Like at, at the end of the match, when Drew lost, you were like, okay, that's what I figured. But you had me at certain points. You had me where I thought, oh, there's Drew's moment. And they're really going to put Drew over. So that's why, you know, Survivor Series got the nod over TLC.
1: Fair. Uh, Smitty. You, myself, and Z are the only ones that have a women's match on our top five match. Uh, you and I have the exact same match. Uh Deanna I love Parrazzo, bitches. Okay. Deanna Perazzo versus Jordan Grace, where Deanna Perazzo became the impact world champion at Slammiversary shortly after being released from WWE. Uh why do you you have it at number two? Why do you feel it's just it's that high on the list of matches for the year? I think
3: it's already a well-known fact that I love women in tag
1: teams wrestling on this show. I'm the person
3: that is probably the most avid about women's tag team wrestling. And this was a really good night. It was one of the, I think this was probably the best women's match of the year. It was seconded by uh, the Hellenist Bailey and Sasha Banks. And then it was, again, it was a good story and
1: everything that led up afterwards. It was probably one of my favorite feuds this year. Okay, I'm gonna agree with you. I honestly feel it was the best women's match of the year, seconded by the Bailey Sasha Hell in a Cell. Um, literally, this match and that Hell in a Cell match uh, between Bailey and Sasha were floating between my five and six. It's not like I picked a women's match to throw in here. I thought those two matches were so fucking good. They des- both deserve to be in the top five, but I just couldn't put them uh, over anything else I have above them. Jordan Grace, Personally, Parrazzo, I love wrestling. Jordan Grace and Deanna Perazzo put on a fucking wrestling clinic. You know, we've talked over and over about this show, how WWE has the women's revolution, but it wouldn't have happened if impacts women's wrestling didn't start everything with Gail Kim and all of the uh, stuff going on back then. It just didn't have the notoriety that WWE does. That's why WWE is getting a lot of the credit and that's fine. Like, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of things where people do it well. And then, you know, someone comes in and takes your fucking, uh, you know, your idea for the telephone or whatever, you know, that's how it got, that happens. You know, someone just is more popular, but impact slam-aversaries match of Jordan Grace, losing that title to Deanna Perrazzo was just wonderful. It, it was it, like top to bottom that match put on it didn't really have any flaws. And that's what kind of put it above the Sasha Bailey thing for me because yes, the match was a gimmick match at the Hell in a Cell, but there were a minute details that you're like, all right, I gotta I got give the nod to Grace and Perazzo. Um and it, again, Impact's Women's Division is just spec fucking tacular. Love knockouts. Um, yeah. So Walt, your number one match is Keith Lee and Adam Cole, uh, with Keith Lee uh, becoming the double champion for the the NXT champion as well as the North American champion. Explain to me why that's your top match of the year.
0: Um, Short answer? Because a brother won the title, bro.
1: (laughs) That's not like something (laughs) else.
0: That's a smitty answer. Um. But long, long answer, more detailed. Um, Keith Lee is a the the first time I saw Keith Lee was not not two years ago now when I I met up with with and Z at uh, NXT at, in Royal Oak. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I'd ever
1: seen Keith Lee. Really, and and I was I was blown away by his
0: talent in the ring. Like he uh-huh. he. he he took on Roddy Strong. He put over Roddy Strong, but like what the dude looked—he he moved like a cruiserweight. You know, he moves like a cruiserweight. He's—it's it, like um you know the the old school WWE game. If you gave Big Show um, Raymond Serio's moveset, you know that's that's kind of how he moved. And and I was like, ah, oh, this guy is good. And he didn't cut a promo or anything, but you you can just I I felt his charisma and and just in the ring and i was like all right i got i'm going to i got to keep, keep an eye out for this guy and then i think a couple like a week or two later he he had his first match with Adai Jakovic on on NXT tv and that match was just, just like it was incredible two big guys going at it and it's and it was a good match it, it wasn't like you know viscera versus versus uh king mabel or, you know, they're just like, oh, wait, this match Wait, wait. are yeah.
2: yeah. They yeah. are. Yeah, they're yeah. the same person. Yeah, like,
0: Big show versus, versus <laughs> G My bad. Whatever.
1: <laughs> I was like, wait, wait. wait I was going to let it go. He called it out. Yeah. My bad. My
0: bad. Look, I heard it, but but I figured you just keep talking through a mistake because I have a mistake.
1: That's what I learned in politics. Anyway. Um, Fiend versus Husky Harris. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, Who's vibrating? Yeah, seriously. Who's getting notifications? It's got. It's, it has to be you because Smitty's on mute.
0: Yeah, and it's not me. Uh,
1: yeah, and if I just keep quiet, it's not
2: a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: But okay, anyway, back to my answer. So so I've been a fan of Keith Lee since I first saw um Adam Cole is just another one of those guys that I if Adam Cole's had a bad match, I had I've yet to see it. Um the guy can ha- can literally have a match with any and everybody. You know, he's he's pro- I mean he's like he's comparable to almost Shawn Michaels in a way to where he can go out and He'll, he'll he the, the old saying he can have a match with the broomstick, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and then you have both of those guys colliding, and Adam Cole being a credible champion and a an credible contender with Keith Lee, and they they were just magic in a ring together. And I and I that's a match I thoroughly enjoyed. I've watched that match four or five times since the since the first time I watched it. Nice, just because I enjoyed that match so much, and also. I mean, the crowned achievement for Keith Lee to be double the double champ. And, you know, and, you know, yeah. And also, black guy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Careful, Smitty. A white dude dude threw that up at the Capitol building the other day, and everyone fucking rioted. So, (laughs) be careful about that. (laughs) Smitty. (laughs) Smitty, your number one match is Kenny Omega and Adam Page defending the AEW uh, Tag Team Championships uh, against the Young Bucks. I believe this is the match where the Young Bucks took the titles, if I'm not mistaken. No, no it's not. Uh, it was a follow-up. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, because this is AEW Revolution. Um, why is that your number one match of the year, and why does it beat uh, – why is it definitely better than all of the others that you have? Uh, it was a 30-minute – it was a, a half-an-hour
3: classic. I like the – I like the way with the Bucks, people talk about the Bucks, my Bucks matches, the Bill, the story they told in this match. Um, just all four of those guys are amazing. It, it kind of like also kind of led to the descent. Like toward the middle, you kind of saw more of the descent between Page and, um, and Omega. Like <laughs> There's was, there was so many stories. The match was really good. And it was probably the best, once again, it's the best tag team match I can think of throughout the year 20. Uh, 2020 and it's probably one thing like one thing that kept sticking in my head when I keep thinking when you said we needed to do, do a list of our favorite matches, top matches. It was the one match that
1: kept popping into my head no matter what when I was trying to do these lists. Okay. Uh Z, your number one match is the war the men's war game match at NXT TakeOver War Games. Um why is that your number one? And why is it better than everything else you have in the list?
2: It's not. I just did my list in an hour, so that's what, you know, made the top of it. Um In fact, when you asked, like, men or women's, I was like, ooh, that's a good question. Uh,
1: right, because I think the women's is better.
2: was better, Personally. yeah. No, I know. I, I agree. Um Again, <laughs> if I didn't mind. do, right, you do the research... I'm,
1: you had it out the entire fucking time, bro. You had it out because you could have just said, oh, women's. <laughs>
2: Full disclosure. I'm trying to be honest here. All right? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Fuck it. Um the the women's was the better of the war games, but I mean, after listening to you guys, I am thinking about it, like I don't even think either war game should be at the top of my list. But I mean, the women's war games match is the best war games match I've seen since NXT started doing war games. Okay. I won't. I won't say the best ever because there were some pretty good War Games matches early on in the War Games pay per view. But uh, since NXT kind of took that name and made it their own, this is probably one of. It was one of the best matches. Had the most moments. You, I mean, you you had a flying dumpster fire in Neo Shirai. That was kind of cool. You know, Oscar the Grouch style. Um there's a lot of Darby Allen style. <laughs> it's the coffin drop. Yeah. yeah Basically. What's uh what's the Japanese translation for coffin? I don't
1: know.
2: Well that's what it would be blank drop. Uh, <laughs> 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 we have uh, yeah, no, um again, don't really think it's the top match anymore, but that would be why I picked it in the okay. hour that I picked it.
1: Um, picked I it. have Tetsuya Naito and uh, Kazucho Okada from New Japan Wrestle Kingdom Night 2 uh, as my number one match. The match, the reason I have it above everything, and I have it above Cole and Ciampa from NXT uh, TakeOver Portland because I just, it, it, that match, the, the Ciampa-Cole match blew my fucking mind. And I could not after watching it say it was better than Naito and Okada and Naito and Okada have just for me this entire year been the match and look i've been a, a naito fan unapologetically since we started bringing new japan onto the show i fully admit that until 3 years ago i had no fucking clue who naito was when we Thank first talked about when we yeah when we first found out about him he w- he was the the IWGP Intercontinental Champion but he was a heel and he treated that belt like shit throwing it around it broke uh, it was it was like the hardcore title met a real prestigious title except the shit really happened to the title because he just didn't the fuck you know uh, but he can never. He, like, he made it to New Japan's main event before in Wrestle Kingdom and just didn't have anything culminate. This match, it followed him and Jay White uh, from night one, and this match was just a fucking wrestling clinic. It is, it is something that, like, I, I've always said, you know, New Japan is everything that you want in wrestling except it doesn't have any of the entertainment factor to make it as big as the WWE, you know? And full disclosure, not everyone in New Japan will be good in WWE. Look at Shinsuke Nakamura. I fully stand by that statement. Nakamura is a great wrestler. He is not one of the greatest because he can't wrestle WWE style. He needs those 20, 30-minute matches for him to get something across in that fucking way. I am not sure that Naito would be WWE great. But in New Japan, the matches that he put on puts on, and especially this one against Okada, is just a sit back, holy shit, what a great fucking match type of thing. I've given Kenny Omega a lot of shit because Kenny Omega in New Japan was a move repeater. Left and right, you're seeing 14 fucking V triggers. The only move he never repeated was his finisher, because once he hit his finisher, it was over, right? It's period. still one of the most one protected moves in the yes. industry right now. But his signature moves weren't setup moves. They were, I'm just going to keep doing this fucking move over and over and over again. Now I will say Omega is a much more polished wrestler than what he was in New Japan. I, I'm not saying he's, I'm still not saying he's great, but I'm still saying he's very repetitive. But Compared to what he that fucking 85 star match against Okada was not an 85 fucking star match. I say Meg is better now. One
2: star for every V trigger.
1: Made sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, (laughs) but Naito is a man and, and Okada. This match, the story was set up. You could watch this match even if you don't know the history of these two guys and still be thoroughly entertained. You might not think it's the best match of the year because I fully agree that with a lot of these, the story behind it, understanding the the culmination is what makes these matches. But I honestly feel like you could watch this match and still think it's one of the greatest matches you've ever seen regardless of having the story behind it. You know, uh, Z, I kind of want to ask you, since you've been thinking about this and I'll give you a chance, you know, it's not totally redeeming yourself, but listening to everything that we have said, taking a little bit more time is what match would you feel is probably one of the best matches you've seen this year. If it's not, it, obviously because you said this wasn't an hour and you've been listening to us talk.
2: Um, I'm actually going to have to go with Keith Lee and Dominic Jajakovic. <clears throat> okay. Uh, and any one of those, I, I think, the. The second one was probably the better of the the set of three they had. I mean, I, I, on television, they've they've had a bunch, you yeah. know, off television as well. But um, when Walt started talking about uh, him, you know, seeing Keith Lee for the first time, and then him seeing the match with him and Dijakovic, I remembered how good that match was. Like that match, it, it like Walt had said, like it was two guys that. I mean it was watching two guys that are both like six foot five plus and you know three hundred pounds plus wrestle like Sean and Brett. Like it it was great. And then you throw in the high flying abilities of both men and it just was, you know, that much more special. And it it put one of them on the map and it cost the other one his name. So <laughs> uh, it kind of sucks, but, but they were they were they, they just that trilogy trilogy of matches, and even after Keith Lee won the title, he was like, you know, Dijakovic gets the first shot because he knew that the chemistry was there and that they would put on a good show. So, I mean, that's definitely if if I went back and reviewed the whole year, that match would fall somewhere on my top five, I guarantee
1: it. All right. You know, um, I will say uh, in agreeing with Z and Walt, and I believe Smitty agreed with them too, the big man in wrestling is starting to take a completely different shape. Um, Very similar to how the big man in the NBA has kind of changed. You know, back in the day, your big men, your power forwards, your centers, they were your fucking beasts down the middle. You know they were they were the people fighting and and uh, going through it. Yeah, they were your blockers. They were in the middle of mm-hmm. uh They he were your founders. But now you have your power forwards and everything like that. They're stepping out and they're draining fucking threes. They're you know with a, with a, with a nice touch, uh, and that's what it is now with the big men in wrestling as well. Is these guys are out there doing things you're not used to seeing them do. You're used to seeing like he said. Mabel and Viscera go at it and just (laughs) move... Barely,
2: so bad. He's like it's wrestling with I
1: know it's like the Karate Man versus Ethan Page coming up. I mean, I mean it, it, <laughs> might been, it might have well,
0: been Viscera did get in his own way a lot. So,
1: I'm right. yeah. he would turn and then smack himself in the chest with that side fat. You're right, Big Daddy v. V. <laughs> it,
2: It's it's weird to think that of the two, Viscera is the smaller one.
1: <laughs> Big Daddy V was the biggest. Um, but yes, so that was your attitude era, big guy, you know, uh, with the most uh, nimble being the big show when he first showed up, you know, when he was Paul White in WCW, when he was a thinner seven foot guy, you know. I just would say that. I would say probably the most the big guy you probably had was Vader. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, I you agree
0: you, for once.
1: Yeah, because, yeah, you know, yeah, that, yeah I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, but that, and. Uh, you know what, man, that's gotta be the beginning of it the mm-hmm. right there. That you know what I'm saying? That better is, and bam bam. That is that is your people taking something and it evolving and it's finally evolved to a Keith Lee style in that in the wrestling ring, man. And it's wonderful to watch because these are moves that make you pop. You know, we Oh well, Mikey just froze and, a second.
3: What? I think you just froze on my screen for a second.
1: No, I didn't. I was I was pausing. Uh, cause I was trying to think, so you have your big guys, you, there's these spots that happen in matches that get everyone pop popping. Now it's the big guys who are able to pull those spots off. So now a match becomes a lot more intriguing to everyone overall. And I'm kind of happy that we see that and have that going forward in the world of wrestling. Um, next week, we're going to get into our top five tag teams and our top 10 wrestlers overall men and women, no matter the company, we're going to come at our top 20 with that. Again, this week we did the pay-per-views, top five pay-per-views, top five moments in wrestling and the top five matches in our humble opinion. Hopefully next week, Nick won't be dying. Uh, and with the COVID 19, co-nick 19, uh, and we have him back to be able to discuss his stuff. Um, that being said, uh, be fucking nice to each other. Give a shit about people. Remember, you're not the only fucking person uh, in the world. Uh, there's there's much more at stake than just what happens to you. Uh, be fucking kind. Uh, that being said, uh, make sure you go to BreakingDownTheRing.com. We'll actually have a brand new t-shirt up within the next week, for boys, for you to push and push and sell. So you guys, check out BreakingDownTheRing.com. Pick, check out our official merchandise. Follow us on all of our social media links. Uh, that being said... We are your ring crew, Smitty, Z, Walt, and me, the all Mikey one, Mikey himself. Thank you again so much for watching, so much for listening, and we are out.